Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is May 24th, 2021, and here with me to make a special mixtape for you, our pod pals, is my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hello, Jen. Yes, we are continuing with this episode, our project of sharing with you our very favorite songs from the 1980s, because we love the 80s, yes. as alert listeners to the podcast are well aware. <laughs> Even non-alert listeners to the podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. We do sort of tend to bludgeon you over the head with it. So we started with episode 80. We had the songs of 1980 and so on. So today we're having the songs of 1983 for our 83rd episode. Exactly. Did you ever make mixtapes as a kid? Oh, are you kidding me? I was making, you know, mixed CDs as of 10 years ago when you still had CDs. <laughs> I loved that. I still make playlists. Yeah, it's the same kind of idea. Yeah. And it always felt so good and you could customize them for a particular friend or important mm -hmm. person in your life. And I have a good friend, Tim, who still does that for me. He'll send me playlists or, or mixed CDs for my birthdays or whatever. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is really sweet. Now, Jen, whose turn is it to go first this week? It's your turn to go first. So why don't you tell us your top picks from 1983? My top pick is going to have to be True by Spando oh, Ballet. Yes, yes. An author that I very much like, Sandra Singlo, wrote a book and she used Spando Ballet as a verb. She talked about Spando Balleting around. <laughs> so now I'm I use that all the time. That's great. Because it is a really wonderful, provocative name for a band. But yes, I love that song. And you'll hear it in soundtracks, yes. you know, The Wedding Singer. Every song that's set in the 80s, you're going to hear this song. And it really was, it's not one of the ones dear to my heart, but I certainly listened to it a lot in 1983. It was on the radio a lot. Yes. So my backup is Sweet Dreams Are Made of This by Eurythmics. Oh, Eurythmics, yes. Yeah, you were calling me out because you said that all of my top songs were men. And it's, well, it's, <laughs> it really was true, demonstrably true. Yeah. But this, the wonderful Annie Lennox of Eurythmics. So those are my top picks, Jen. What about you? My top song choice for 1983 is for my parents, actually, because alert listeners also know that in episode, <laughs> I believe it was 22, my parents had a cameo where they talked about this song. So adorable. And so, of course, I had to pick for my number one choice for 1983, Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. It's just a little shout out to my parents there. Oh, that's sweet. In fact, it's my mom's birthday this week. So happy birthday, mom. <gasps> happy birthday, Carol. Yeah. I bet that does not surprise you, though, April, that I picked that. It does not. And I also very much like Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by Culture Club, which I think came out the same year. Yeah, great song. And what's your runner-up? My runner-up is a song that I still love and like to play loudly to this day, Elton John, I'm Still Standing. Ah, very good one. Love that song. Elton John. Do you know one of the first big stadium concerts I ever saw was Elton John on his Goodbye Yellow Brick Road tour. Oh, no. Which definitely dates me. Was it great? It was unbelievable. I've heard he does quite a show. You know, I think it actually might have been the first concert I went to. Wow. Yeah, it was about, what was that, 1975 or so, or 76, and my brother took me and my sister. Mm -hmm. And it was a fantastic show at the Fabulous Forum in Los Angeles. Of course, he was a little speck, you know, down on the stage, because it's a gigantic arena. But we were overwhelmed to be in the same room mm. as Elton John. We were such huge <laughs> fans. Anyway, Elton John's always a plus in my book. 
two thumbs way up. Yeah. So that's it for 1983. Big year for me. What was going on for you? Well, sadly, I had a very bad relationship that dominated that year. I see. So that's mostly what I remember. I was still in the band for part of that year and working at the little publishing company I talked about last week. So Mm -hmm. I was in the throes of the 20s. I was having some emotional upheavals. Because when you're in your early 20s, you're usually having a transit of Uranus in the sky, making a difficult aspect to Uranus in your birth chart. And what it means is you're undergoing kind of a rebirth. You're in rebellion. You're determined to have a life that's different than the one you grew up in, and you're very rebellious without a cause. It's a bit of upheaval usually around those ages, 21, 22. So that's what I was doing. How about you? I mean, nothing exciting because I think my answer for all of this is just going to be I was in school. You know, I was a kid in school. Yeah. I started high school actually this year. So Mm, Yeah, that's pretty significant. Mm -hmm. Now, we wanted to let our listeners know about some changes that have happened with Apple Podcasts because we know a lot of you do listen on your iPhone using the Apple Podcasts app, which I've always been a big fan of. They have made some recent changes. And some of them are sort of not really working well for our podcast, and I know for other people as well. So we wanted to alert you to some of these changes and how they might be impacting you as a listener and what you can do. Tell us what's going on. So what's happening is, first of all, we release our episodes late Sunday night Pacific time. Some people don't know that. It's a secret. (laughs) It's a secret, but that's when we do it. So if you're a person who has subscribed to the podcast, it will just automatically show up in your podcast feed at that time. Well, some episodes of some podcasts have been getting listed in the feed much later than they used to. And I know that has been the case with ours to some extent. If you're hip to this and you're sitting there at nine o'clock on a Sunday night, eagerly waiting for the latest episode of our podcast. Nine o'clock Pacific time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You can either listen in another podcast app. I know I've been using Overcast, which is pretty good. I don't like it as well as the old version of Apple Podcasts, but it works, but only for iPhones. So look around for other podcatchers, but also you can always just go to our website, bigskyastropod.com. And we have embedded and also have a download link for the latest episode. And that posts right at nine o'clock. So you can always do that. I've been using Spotify some, and Mm -hmm. that has all of the episode show notes. It posts at the correct time. It has all of the website links because you were going to let folks know about one other issue, which is what? Well, which is our wonderful show notes, which Jen labors over with blood, sweat, and tears every (laughs) week and is really more almost like a a web post than show notes, but they're wonderful. And they were right there in Apple Podcasts. You just went into the episode, scroll down, scroll down, so you have the whole thing there. Many wonderful hyperlinks to things that we talk about in the show. And suddenly with this update, if we embed the links in that way, they won't open. Some of you may have found this out already. And also that our beautiful, lovely show notes get truncated. They just trail off mid-sentence. We know that they're working on that. This is what they say, and hopefully that will be addressed and will be a non-issue by the time you listen to it. But if it isn't, again, just go to bigskyastropod.com, click on the latest episode, and you'll see the show notes. You can also access the transcript. All of that good stuff is there on the website. That is the backup plan for now. 
Perfect. Jen, do you know how we begin the week? How do we begin the week? With Moonwatch. Moonwatch. Play it, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Moonwatch this week is really exciting because we have a Sagittarius full moon, which is also... Our first eclipse of the year, of the calendar year. Yay! Yay! It is a lunar eclipse on May 26th at 6.14 a.m. Pacific time. And this one falls at 5 degrees and 25 minutes of Sagittarius. So if you have anything in your birth chart, between about 1 and 9 degrees of a mutable sign, and those are Gemini, Virgo, Sagittarius, or Pisces, this is probably a pretty big eclipse for you. The last time we had eclipses at this point at five degrees of Sagittarius were in, well, just last November, May 25th, 2013, November of 2012, November of 2011, May of 2003, May of 2002, May of 1994, November of 1993, just for example. We will have eclipses in the same pair of signs, in this case, Gemini and Sagittarius, at nine, nine and a half year intervals. So you can pretty much count back from that. So the reason I tell you that is because the same areas of your chart were being kind of stirred up by eclipse energy at that time. And often what you'll see are repeating themes because the same areas of your chart, the same houses, the same planets are being stirred up by eclipses. Eclipses are energies of change and crisis. And I hasten to remind people crisis isn't always a bad thing. It just means your life is not going to be able to go on the way it was. And this can be because of wonderful things that happen. You know, I was talking to you, Jen, and you got married in one of these years. I actually got married in one of these years, too, in 1993. And that is a wonderful thing, but it really does change the landscape of your life in a pretty dramatic way, at least initially. And it just means you can't go on in exactly the same way that you were before, and you're being asked to sort of reinvent your life in particular ways. Yeah, one of the things that I like about astrology, I've said this before, is just that you can start seeing the patterns of your life, Mm -hmm. the themes, and that they repeat over and over. And so even if you don't know your chart, you can think about those years and think about if there are patterns that repeat for you. Yeah, absolutely. And this particular eclipse is connected to that lunar phase family. You know, we've been talking about that. It's also called the lunar gestation cycle. That began with the new moon of November 26, 2019 at 4 Degrees Sag, Jen, when we released the very first episode of our podcast. Oh, my gosh. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So we're at some dramatic eclipse turning point with the podcast. But at the first quarter, which was at the end of August 2020, at almost 3 Degrees Sag, we were getting ready to do the pot-a-thon. Yeah. And now we're at a full moon eclipse. Excellent. The nature of eclipses, and we will invite you to go back, as we always do, to episode five, Unboxing Eclipses, now a classic in the Big Sky Astrology podcast pantheon. But for now, I'll just give you a couple of reminders about eclipses. And lunar eclipses in particular, first of all, they're very important in relationship because the sun and moon, which are principal symbols of people in a relationship, are in opposition. 
And it is a moment when we see things very clearly sometimes in a relationship that we hadn't been able to see before. That's particularly significant with this eclipse because the sun and the moon at this eclipse are both square Jupiter in Pisces. And Pisces is this thing of, wow, you know, I've been believing the best. I've been really idealizing this situation, this relationship, whatever it is. And then sometimes we kind of wake up at the eclipse and say, oh, maybe things are a little bit different than we thought they were. Maybe my expectations have been too high, or maybe they haven't been high enough with Jupiter. Jupiter does encourage us to push the boundaries and to expand our horizons. We may find in a relationship we have, the two people in the relationship are together trying to figure out how to take that next big step. That's some of the things I would say about this eclipse. The lunar eclipses are a little different than solar ones, and we'll talk about the solar ones in a couple of weeks because we're going to have a solar eclipse on June 10th, and we'll be telling you a lot about that. But lunar eclipses are a little different in that they don't seem to have that same physical impact that a solar eclipse does. About a week before a solar eclipse starts, I'm telling you, you really start to feel it. You mean in your body? In your body. It just kind mm. of, you get like a brownout mm -hmm. where your energy just goes, Phoom. and lunar eclipse, not so much that way, but it is more about trying to deal with the emotions that are going on by applying yourself to some kind of physical activity. And this is because at a lunar eclipse, the earth is between the sun and the moon. It is the earth that's casting a shadow on the moon. And it's like the earth gets precedence over the lunar functions, which is that kind of really feeling a need to connect and feel comfortable and comforted in some way. And the way we comfort ourselves is, well, I'll go buy something or I'll get a massage or whatever it is that we might want to do. It probably depends on where the eclipse happens in your own personal chart, though, and whether it's making angles or aspects to any of the other planets in your own birth chart, right? That definitely accentuates it. But just the energy of a lunar eclipse in and of itself, mm -hmm. if you find in your chart the point where five degrees Sagittarius falls, again, we'll link it in the show notes for whatever that's worth, <laughs> and a blog post that I have to help you find where this is in your chart. But that is an area of your life where you're feeling this little bit of a need to get grounded, get centered, and that usually the way you'll do that is just in a really practical, physical kind of a way. You know, maybe it's in your sixth house and the thing that gets you grounded is cleaning out your pantry and alphabetizing your spices or whatever it is. Maybe it's in your second house and you decide to go in and revamp something about the way you're keeping track of your money or, you know, moving money around or something like that. So it's like some practical response that we look for. And you're right. I mean, this is more accentuated, obviously, if that point is aspecting something in your chart specifically. Mm -hmm. But if we even just look at the house that's being impacted, you can really see the eclipse make itself felt. Yeah. And here I'll mention what you already did, which is episode five, Unboxing Eclipses, where we talk about what the eclipses in each of the houses mean. And so I really mm -hmm. do encourage people to go back and listen to that one because it's super helpful. Yeah. One of our most popular episodes. Absolutely. And I'm going to go ahead and give a quick plug for my eclipse report and you'll hear more about it. We're going to have a little ad that's going to run later in the episode that will tell you a little bit more about it. If you have a, a little bit of a difficult time finding out how to find things in your chart, 
a report like this can be helpful. Yeah, for sure. So the Sabian symbols for this one are the moon is on six Sagittarius, a game of cricket. And the Sabian symbol for the sun at six Gemini is drilling for oil. You said you had some thoughts about those Sabian symbols, Jen. I do. A game of cricket makes me think of a sense of duality because it's always two teams playing cricket. And the drilling for oil where the sun is makes me think of going deep and gaining something valuable in the process, especially as it relates to relationships. And so I'm really glad that you mentioned that full moons and especially these types of eclipses are about relationships. Mm -hmm. And these Sabian symbols made me think how maybe going deep could bring you something really worthwhile with someone, with another person. Yeah, I like that insight a lot. And it's like drilling for oil is the symbol. But oil just means something deep down that's valuable. Yeah, totally. And with the sun, the thing that's of value is you, is your true self. Mm -hmm. So really, if you're coming from a place that you're very confident in who you are, then you're in a much better position always, of course, to be in a good relationship with somebody. I just love the game of cricket. I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but I remember us being in New Zealand years ago. And we were out driving from one place to another and out in the middle, kind of of nowhere. That was a pretty small town. There was this beautiful green and guys out there in their white cricket uniforms. Yeah. And we stopped and watched for a while. I loved it. And it's such a sweet memory because it's very languid. It's very pastoral. All the best qualities that make me love baseball as well. Mm -hmm. But I like your insight about that because it's duality. It's two people. For sure. And that is the case with lunar eclipses. We don't experience them in a vacuum. It's usually involved with other people in our lives. Right on. One more thing, Pell, is that I wanted to let folks know that the eclipse is a total lunar eclipse. It will be visible in Australia and New Zealand, and then we'll be able to see some of the eclipse in western parts of North America and South America, as well as Southeast Asia. I will put a link in the show notes to timeanddate.com because they always have really good information about where the eclipses can be seen around the world, wherever you're living, whether or not the eclipse will be visible there. Thank you for that, my friend. Of course. Hello, my pod pals. April here. Hey, it's eclipse season. Should you be terrified? I mean, the internet would have you think so. I don't believe in using astrology to feed fear, but I do believe in learning from past experience. My eclipse report, followed by a moon shadow, helps you better understand your past and its influence on the present. The report includes three years of eclipses, interpreting their house placements in your chart, aspects to natal planets, and the previous years when there were eclipses at the same points in your chart. Order your report at eclipseastrology.com, and as my bonus gift to you, you'll receive my e-booklet, Five Steps to Fear-Free Eclipses. Order today, eclipseastrology.com, that's eclipseastrology.com. Over and out. Okay, what do we have coming up next this week? Venus is squaring Neptune on May 27th at 12.25 p.m. Pacific Time. Venus is in Gemini at 22 degrees, 58 minutes. And of course, Neptune is in Pisces. Forever. Forever, yeah. What does all of this suggest for folks, April? When I see the combination of Venus with Neptune in any way, I think that we're dealing with the possibility of 
well, especially with a square, of disillusionment or disappointment in matters related to relationship or money, because it's a time when we often discover or choose to look at what's really been going on. That also, of course, has consequences for this lunar eclipse as well. If there are things in a relationship that you kind of dimly are aware of that you've not really been addressing with your partner, it may become imperative at this time that you do broach these things and talk about them. And it's an opportunity, really, I think, to discover if you can really love somebody as they really are instead of the fantasy that you had about who they are. Say more about that. Well, when we get in a relationship with someone, when we fall in love, it's all Neptune. We're just, we're in this haze of love and delight, and we can't believe there's this wonderful person in the world and that they like us, and it's just, we're in this cloud of delight. And of course, we don't always see real clearly. But I've always said that Neptune is an important component of a successful long-term relationship because you have to be able to idealize the person you're with to some extent. If you don't honestly think they're just a little bit better than anybody else out there for you, then it's probably not a great relationship to be in. So you have to have some of that. You have to be able to see their potential. But what happens when you have a square is you kind of wake up from that for a minute. and You go, oh, no, look at how they chew their food. <laughs> oh, no, they've got all this credit card debt. Oh, no, they're always late with the power bill. You know, mm -hmm. so you start to see that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's really big stuff. Sometimes it's really small stuff. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about Neptune in the sky making a difficult aspect to your Venus, if you have Venus right now in Gemini or Sagittarius or Virgo, you might encounter some Neptune stuff. And sometimes that's a lot more important because Neptune moves really slowly. So an aspect like that is very consequential. But this is a couple of days. This is May 26th through the 28th, probably, that we're really seeing that. But yeah, look out for those little moments that you go, oh, <laughs> I didn't quite know that. I'm surprised by that. I'm surprised by that. And this can happen, by the way, whether you've been with someone for six weeks or 30 years, suddenly go, oh, I didn't quite know that about you. And sometimes it's a delightful thing, by the way. But since we're talking about a square, it's usually something that's a little bit jarring. And we go, oh, okay. And maybe it's something you find out about yourself as a result of being in this relationship. Like, oh, I didn't realize I was really such a harridan before I've had my morning coffee. <laughs> and here I am now with this person feeding that back to me. So it's really about trying to get to the truth of who you are and being able to love somebody anyway. It's like the unconditional love that Neptune really excels at. We'll see how that goes for us this week. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing knowing yourself, mm -hmm. and then it's another thing knowing yourself in relationships to other people. Isn't that true? Yeah. Because you've got an audience all of a sudden to all the silly little things. If you're just sitting alone and you're single and you're in your apartment and you decide, hey, I just want to have peanut butter and bananas for dinner or something. There's nobody else to hold you to account. But suddenly there's this person, oh, you like to have peanut butter and bananas? Oh, you want to have that for dinner? And you're like, it's an audience, you know, and somebody has to sign off on it. That's great. You do learn so much about yourself in relationships. Well, and somewhat connected to that, we have Mercury conjunct Venus the next day, May 28th at 10.13 p.m. Pacific time, so more or less May 29th everywhere else, at 24 degrees and 41 minutes of Gemini. 
And this happens almost concurrent with Mercury turning retrograde. So we're going to talk about them both together. Mercury turns retrograde on May 29th at 3.34 p.m. Pacific time at 24 degrees and 43 minutes, Gemini. So you can see they're very close together. Just as Mercury is getting ready to station, which is what we call it when it sort of sits still, grinds to a halt before it gets ready to turn retrograde or direct. In this case, it's retrograde. It's making this conjunction with Venus. Mercury retrograde, we've talked about it many times, most memorably in the episode, Mercury retrograde, where, where are my, my pants? pants? Episode 12, <laughs> I believe that is. <laughs> Never miss an opportunity to mention that one. Of course not. We'll give you a reminder from episode 80, when Mercury moved into Gemini, we were sort of giving you the heads up about the journey that it was going to make. Mercury is very strong in Gemini. It is the communicative side of Gemini. And it's going to be in Gemini for kind of an extra long time through July 11th because it has this retrograde period. Mercury entered its shadow period on May 15th. Which means what? The preview of coming attractions okay. for what the retrograde is going to feel like. Mm -hmm. Then it actually turns retrograde, as we said, on the 29th. And it will be retrograde until June 22nd, when it will then turn direct, then leave the shadow on the other side on July 7th, entering Cancer on July 11th. We are in the midst of it. We are. And Jen and I, I can tell you, have been experiencing every possible iteration of Mercury retrograde or Mercury in its shadow the last few days. I mean, most notably, and this morning, it made the Zoom link disappear that I always use to connect with you. Where did that go? I don't know. I don't know. It's off on Safari somewhere or something. Well, even this stuff with Apple Podcasts, it's not specific to us, yeah. but it definitely fits the symbolism of Mercury retrograde in Gemini, which is, if anything rules podcasts, it's got to be Gemini. It has to be. And Mercury. For sure. This is what we're looking at on a practical level really for quite a long time, through July 7th, of the most Mercury retrograde-ish Mercury retrograde, probably. I always think it's stronger when it's retrograde if it's in a sign that it's strong in. And it rules Gemini. What's some practical advice? You know, we'll all be going through Mercury retrograde. What would be helpful for people to know? I think the most helpful thing to know is when Mercury goes retrograde, it's a time to turn away from usual Mercury activities. Things like signing agreements and contracts, buying a car or computer, which are ruled by Mercury, if you can help it. And really overscheduling is very dicey business when Mercury is going retrograde. Because when Mercury is retrograde, it eschews scheduling and those kinds of commitments. Don't overschedule yourself. Always try to build in some extra time around things. I know some people are starting to travel now. You have to build in a little bit of a buffer around meeting certain timelines and any kind of scheduling that you're doing. It's just a good idea to try to create a daily life that's a little less intensively scheduled. And then it's usually not as big of a problem because if things don't go according to plan, it's not a big deal. And when Mercury is retrograde, they very often don't go according to plan. Of course, some people do have to sign contracts. So yeah. just triple check everything. Mm -hmm. That's what would be most helpful is yeah. just write everything down. Don't double check, triple check. Yeah, that's really the essence of it. Yeah. And Mercury is mischievous and he really likes to push us against the wall. 
It's his way of having fun. So you'll be saying, oh, Mercury's retrograde. I know I shouldn't buy computers and stuff. And then your computer takes a massive dump. And what are you going to do? If that is how you make your livelihood, you're going to buy yourself another computer. But buy the warranty. It's very possible you'll need it at some point. And maybe the main date to really pay attention to is that June 22nd, when Mercury turns direct again. Just wait a few days after that if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know you mentioned it leaves its shadow July 7th, but that's a really long time between now and July 7th. If you can, all things being equal, wait until a few days after June 22nd. Yes. And Mercury, because it can be about promises and compacts that we make with people, as it's coming together in this conjunction with Venus, this is a good time to express our love for people, express our affection, and make financial arrangements with people as well. But I would say at this time, you know, tell somebody you love them, but don't make any promises because Mercury retrograde means we don't have all the information yet. And again, this is a lunar eclipse that pits the sun and the moon square Jupiter in Pisces. So information is still being revealed. And so just be a little bit careful about making promises about such things. Okay. What do we have coming up next, pal? Mars trines Neptune on May 30th at 10.16 p.m. Pacific Time, 23 degrees and one minute of Cancer and Pisces, respectively. Tell us about this. Mars is the battling planet, and Neptune is the planet of love and peace. And when they come together in a nice aspect like this one, you know, this is time to lay down our arms and declare a truce. And I was reminded of the story I had heard about of the Christmas truce of 1914. What's that? During World War I, starting on Christmas Eve, some of the German and British troops sang Christmas carols to each other from across the lines. And at certain points, the Allied soldiers heard brass bands joining the Germans in their joyous singing. And at the first dawn of light on Christmas Day, some of the German soldiers came out of the trenches. They approached the Allied lines and called out, Merry Christmas! In their enemies' native tongues. Wow. Which is so sweet to me. That's quite a story. And at first, the Allied soldiers thought this was a trick. Mm -hmm. But then they saw the Germans were not armed, so they climbed out of the trenches and they shook hands with the enemy's soldiers. And they exchanged presents of cigarettes and puddings and things. And they sang carols and songs. That's quite something. It's quite a story. Mm-hmm. And there was one account that the soldiers started playing soccer oh, wow. across the lines. Mm-hmm. You know, if not cricket, I mean, I guess soccer <laughs> would work. And one German lieutenant recalled how marvelously wonderful, yet how strange it was. And it was a lovely image to me, this idea of Mars trying Neptune, of even in the midst of our discord, you know, with other people or one particular other person, as we're talking throughout this episode about the emphasis on eclipses and getting real with each other this week, that in the end, Mars is then trying Neptune and says, okay, try to just appreciate people as they are, understand we're not always going to agree on things, and shake hands across enemy lines. The Sabian symbol for Mars at this trine is 24 Cancer, a woman and two men on a bit of sunlit land facing the south. And then Neptune's on 24 Pisces, an inhabited isle. So I always picture the woman and the two men on this inhabited isle. And I'm not going to read a lot more into it than that, other than to say, here are people that are in a lovely place, 
And we're going to say enjoying each other's company because it's Mars trying Neptune. All right. Well, my friend, we do appear to have made it to the end of our epic show sheet. Have we done it? Let's go play some cricket. I think we're done. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Thank you all for listening to our podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to follow us. They call it follow now and not subscribe on uh, iTunes. Oh, do they? On Apple, they call it follow? Yeah. Okay. That's what they're doing because they're bringing in the subscription service that they are going to be offering. Mm -hmm. And we want to let people know that our podcast is free. Yeah. So just follow us. And if you want to leave us a rating or review, we would not object. We think that would be great. And we hope that you'll help us spread the word. Tell your friends about the podcast. You can read our show notes and our full transcripts and leave comments about each episode. Tell us about your favorite songs from 1983 (laughs) at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're so grateful to everyone who showed support during our Podathon last fall. Each week, as you know, we thank some of you by name. Who is it this week, pal? This week, we want to give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Elena Sokolova, Janie Cook, and Margie Clodden. We are recording this on the day that income taxes are due in the United States. And I know Margie is a hardworking tax professional. So Excellent. Yeah. So we hope that you have survived to listen to this episode today, Margie. Elena, Janie, and Margie, we really do appreciate you. We want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast and for supporting us during our September Podathon. If you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our podathon, you can always make a contribution at our website, bigskyastropod.com. And if you donate at least $5, you'll be able to access our special Solstice episode that's coming up in a few weeks. It will be airing exclusively for donors around June 20th. Woohoo! <laughs> and you'll get our bingo card. Always the bingo card. <laughs> I told you what, and I'll share with the listeners what a client was telling me last week. And I said, I want to clarify your name because I know you've donated to the podcast. And when we mention your name on the air, I want to pronounce it right. And she said, but then I won't be able to check off the box on the bingo card that says you mispronounce my name. <laughs> That's yes. a dedicated listener. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, that is it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground. And your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.